This Moment Outdoors is brought to you by L.L. Bean, official partner of the National Park Foundation for the Find Your Park movement. This week, Cherie Viard and Chris Dunphy, together known as Technomadia, share their journey from living in a small trailer to the bus conversion Class B and boat that they travel in today. Along the way, they started the Mobile Internet Resource Center, and they'll share their thoughts on the future of mobile internet connections while giving us a preview of their new TV show, The RVers, on the Discovery Channel. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 121 of RV Miles. This is it's, this is me. I am I am This I. is the way. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we'll talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. This is our first post-Thanksgiving episode. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. We are very tired and our brains hurt. <laughs> this is probably the fourth time we've recorded this introduction. <laughs> we are very happy. We were very blessed to have a, a great time with family. And we're happy to be here today talking to you, our friends. And we're so thankful that you're here with us. We're thankful that you have been there helping us through our difficult journey over the last couple months, or at least just listening to it. Or if you're new, hey, don't, don't go back. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry about no biggie. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are new, welcome to the show. Normally we're a little bit more animated. We have had a lot of turkey. We've had a lot of mashed potatoes and the best of all we've had a lot of sweet potato casserole i think some people know it as yams casserole some people know it with cranberries and some people know it without i am of the cranberry set i had three pieces of pie last night so that's what i'm i didn't get any pie last night i was, you didn't eat any of the pie i made i didn't i was drinking my dessert last oh, night yes you were it was, yes you were let's just was, leave it at that just leave it at that. Jason did a good job last night on the pies. I just, I just opted for a margarita instead. Mm. <laughs> or stop. <separate>. Just <laughs> look, I got up this morning and I did my thing and I got, we all got home last night and everybody got to bed like they should. And I may or may not have slept in my clothes last night and that's fine. Sometimes I just saved the laundry it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. We had a lot to be thankful for. And it's been a very, very long time coming since we have just been able to kind of sit back, relax, chill with our family, laugh, have a good time and not have to think about a lot of stuff. And so I enjoyed sitting back, relaxing down in a few drinks and enjoying the fam. There you go. Well, let's talk about somebody else who's thankful right now. I oh, think. they certainly are. <laughs> Bill and Kay Pot are the owners of the Mammoth Cave Jellystone Park in Cave City, 
Kentucky. Jellystone, of course, is a national chain of campgrounds that are they're mostly orientated towards families, uh, but I think adults can have a good time at a Jellystone as well. The Mammoth Cave Jellystone has been named by the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds as the park of the year, the best park in the country right now. Four days after receiving that award on November 7th, they were also named by LSI, the company that franchises all the Jellystone campgrounds, as their best park, as their facility of the year. They also got the Spirit Award, the Pinnacle Club Award, and the Recreation Award. And the Recreation Award uh, is awarded to a facility that has has really increased their recre- their recreation options. So let me tell you why this this campground is is doing so well and is getting so much recognition. They just completed a 30-month, $10 million expansion that includes a 2.3-acre man-made pond with a splash beach. But in the middle of this pond is this giant 110-foot by 130-foot floating sports park. It's crazy. This thing looks just absolutely amazing. It's like a big inflatable obstacle course with water trampolines and slides and all sorts of stuff. And man, if it doesn't bring out the kid in you, it Nothing looks, well. oh, Nothing wow. Well. It looks so incredible. And I would, I don't, <laughs> I can't believe we've never been here. I mean, I we're mostly state and federal campground campers, but you know, we love mammoth cave. And I feel like this gives us a little bit yeah. more of an incentive now to head over to that area and check it out. Well, and we, when we camped at mammoth cave, we camped quite a ways away at an we army did. corps of engineers, a very nice one, but it was an hour drive to the park because I think the National Park Service campground doesn't have hookups. And no, it doesn't. Hookups. But this is an incredible place. They just added three playgrounds as well and three new bathhouses, a pedal cart track. They have day use pet kennels. So you can oh, wow. put your pet in the kennel and you can go explore the National Park. Uh, they just built a new main building. They've got all sorts of fun stuff. Now, that type of camping isn't everybody's type of camping. No. Um, And it's not always our type of camping. Like I think personally speaking, we really have to be in the mood for it, but we like to do it from time to time because the kids really just, it's really for them that we personally do it. Now that's not to say that adults do not have just as much fun, but I love that when we go to a Jellystone or a KOA that the kids just kind of, I can let them go free and they just make a ton of friends really fast. And then they all just run the campground and have a great time. Yeah. It's sort of like our, our, you know, we travel full time, obviously. So it's kind of like our little vacation. Is it is. It's, our, it's a vacation like campground yeah. for us for yeah. sure. Um, so, you know, check it out. I obviously, it's an RV park. So if we're talking RV park of the year, I think this is the kind of thing people are looking for. It's not, you know, campground of the year, which has a lot of different connotations to, to different people who believe they know exactly what a campground should be. Uh, But obviously there are all different types of facilities and, and you know, what really makes a place like this though, other than all that fun stuff, is cleanliness and service. Uh, and that's why I love Disney world. Yeah. And the mammoth cave Jellystone is known for, uh, being really friendly. So, uh, so check it out. We'll, we'll share some photos. we we actually wrote an article on it. We'll, we'll share that in the, in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash one twenty one. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have the answer to the brain teaser from two weeks ago. Since we didn't do a brain teaser, 
Everyone has been waiting and waiting, Jason. Last week, of course, was our gift guide episode, so we needed to make extra room. If you haven't checked that out, go ahead and do so. If you're still listening to this over sort of the Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, we also have some deals available uh, that we rounded up from different RV oriented services and, and uh, gear providers on the website as well. And we'll put that in the show notes for deals that are still available through some of them through Cyber Monday, some of them through the end of the year. Yeah, there's some pretty fantastic deals going yeah. on right now. Yeah. We'll be back in two and two. I'm going to leave that. Speaking of great deals, Harvest Host is offering their best deal ever, and they are offering it all the way through the end of the year. Get 20% off a membership to Harvest Host. Again, that's the best deal they've ever offered. If you're not familiar with Harvest Host, they are a great organization that helps you find overnight boondocking services at wineries, farms, museums, and other really cool attractions across the country. Now you can save 20% off this holiday season on your membership. Just go to the link that we will provide in the show notes that will have a code and you can save 20%. Again, 20% through the end of the year. This is their best deal ever. Grab it now. Grab it for a friend. Make sure you go over to the show notes. Our our code, our RV miles code won't work for this 20% off. So go to the show notes and we'll have the link there. You can also go to our Black Friday Cyber Monday guide and you can find the link to the special discount. There. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, I will also update the RV Miles Facebook group. We have a little um, section over in our announcements where you can go and see all of the deals that are being offered for the RV Miles community. I, if you are in the group, I will go ahead and update that there as well so that you can get the information and save 20% this year on a Harvest Host membership. It's time for the answer to the brain teaser from two weeks ago because the brain teaser was off last week. The brain teaser went like this. How many times do the hour and minute hand cross each other in a 12 hour period? Obviously we're talking on a rotary dial clock, not these newfangled digital things. Get off my lawn, Jason. (laughs) 10 times is the answer. If you start when the hands are already on top of each other, otherwise it's 11 times. But either answer would have been acceptable. And the winner this week is Pat J from Florida, who will receive a Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt from the RV Miles Teespring store. And you'll have a chance to win yours later on in the show with the new brain teaser. And hey, speaking of the Teespring store, if you are interested in picking up any of the RV Miles gear that we have there, and we've had a few new items roll out, like the finally long-awaited Keep Logging Those RV Miles t-shirt, which is the RV Miles logo. And then on the back, it says Keep Logging Those RV Miles We are offering now through the next probably one or two weeks. So let's just say, I think it's somewhere around December 9th. We are offering 25% off your entire purchase in the store. So that's everything that we offer. And it's with the code HOLIDAY25. We'll link to that in the show notes. But if you have been interested in wanting to pick up some of this stuff, this would be a really great time to do it because we are offering 25% off your entire purchase. 
My guests on the show this week are Chris Dunphy and Cherie Viard, who are the proprietors of the Mobile Internet Resource Center. And together they are known as the bloggers and YouTubers Technomadia. Welcome to the show, Chris and Cherie. Thank you so much for having us on. Great to be here. I'd like to start out with talking a little bit about your RV origin story because I find it really fascinating. Chris, you when you two met, you were already RVing, right? Yeah, I started off solo in 2006. Feels like forever ago and also just yesterday um, in a tiny, tiny little tab trailer. So about as small of an RV as you could possibly uh, try to full time in. And the last thing I expected in that first year on the road was to meet somebody who wanted to sell her house and move in with me. I didn't necessarily want to. <laughs> well, see, what led you to think that that would be, you know, something uh, where are you just sort of that free spirit that is willing to just say, hey, I'll try this. I'll, you know, I'll go out on the road with this guy for a while. Well, so my story was I was in Florida. I was already working from home as a software developer and was already integrating in personal travel while still working remotely. So I was kind of doing my own version of a little bit of digital nomadic living. And I had actually already bought my first pop-up camper and was enjoying doing weekends on the road and had already been contemplating uh, perhaps even going full-time in an RV. So we just happened to meet like at this great time in both of our lives where we were on paths that were, I think, already intersecting. Yep, definitely. There was a, a, just so much flexibility that when we came together that it's just like, you know, by, by the end of our first date, we were, she was saying, hey, you know, why don't you come by Florida? And that was just going to be, a, let's get together again. But then by the time we got there, by the time I got there, it was like, you know, maybe we could try some extended trips together in this tab. And that turned into the extended trips being years long and, and never ending. So back then, that was that 13 years ago or so, the resources for somebody learning to get out there on the road were there were some, but they were they weren't as as visible on the Internet. There weren't as many YouTubers out there. There weren't as many bloggers. What was the experience like that back then trying to figure this lifestyle out? In many ways, you were doing it in your own bubble. You were, you felt like you were inventing your own lifestyle where there were other people doing this. There, it's just there wasn't the medium necessarily to share about that. Uh, you know, we had both been blogging since about 2002, which is, you know, at that time we were considered unique. Um, so we just continued to share and we did find a couple of other RV, full-time RVers, and we, it took us two years before we actually met our first working on the road remotely wow. full-time RV, our age group. We kind of felt like oddities that first year, because so there was a lot of other RVers out there, but they were either weekenders or retirees, and, and particularly because we had the other unique angle of being in something super small, super full in, being full-time, working full-time, and being so much younger than, than so many of everyone else we encountered. It, was, it took a while before we started to find our highs the community. Well, everybody else that was doing what you were doing was also doing it in their own bubble and mm -hmm. figuring it out on their own. Oh, it's, it's almost enviable now. You know, we look at <laughs> folks who are contemplating this lifestyle and they have resources to go through. There are podcasts like this one. There's <laughs> so many wonderful YouTube channels and bloggers and magazines and clubs and courses and books that you can get a lot of resources from. And, connectivity has gotten so much easier in general that being able to stay connected to each other, to community and to work has made it all that much easier than it, than it used to be. 
you eventually decided to build out a, a bus, a, a vintage bus. What, did you guys own anything in between then? Yes. Yeah, so after the first year on the road in that small teardrop, we decided that um, working full-time on the road in a RV that required us to change the bed to a desk every single day got really super annoying. <laughs> that was yeah. more annoying than not having a bathroom or uh, air, air conditioning, conditioning. <laughs> or refrigerator. But yeah, this town you know, was very basic. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the driving motivation to switch to something else was usable desk space and keeping a bed always available. Man. So we actually, for three years in between the bus and the cab, we had an Oliver travel trailer, which is kind of like the Casita. It's a fiberglass egg, 17 mm-hmm. feet. So we added one foot of length to our RV, but we added all of the amenities of what most people consider an RV. Yeah, the, the Oliver is built like a small yacht. It's, um, and we actually had ours custom made for us. And it was uh, felt like moving into a mansion from the tab with all the amenities you could think of. And most importantly, it had a two-seat two dinette that let us work during the day. So how long was it before you decided to to build out a bus, which seemed to me when you did it, it was sort of like, we're going to build the, the dream vehicle for getting us out here. Well, we, we had been kind of slowing down our pace of travel with the Oliver and the smaller vehicles were really good for moving place to place rapidly. And they were very nimble and you, we towed with a Jeep and then a, 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 just a regular Toyota Thunder truck. But as we slowed down our pace and would do longer stays places, it started to feel really cooped up and we wanted more space and we weren't sure what we wanted to do next. We actually took some time and went to the Virgin Islands. Right. So one of the things that Chris and I discussed on our initial dating conversations, if you would, they're all online, uh, was that we both had aspirations one day of living on the water. So we actually at this point was kind of a crossroads of do we continue our being or do we start looking into boating? And we had started shopping for boats back in 2009, and uh, then we had an opportunity to move over to the Virgin Islands and sublet um, basically a tree house on the spring porch. Uh-huh. Um, so we moved over there for a season, and that allowed us to talk more with the cruising community and kind of get more of the ins and outs of the cruising lifestyle. And we quickly determined that uh, at this juncture in our careers, because I was still doing software development for major companies and hospitals, and we were doing technical consulting together. Um, that was already a full-time job and boating, especially <laughs> sailing is also a full-time job. Right. Uh, so we had a reality check there. And, and meanwhile, one of our friends, one of our very first friends we'd met, um, who was a younger working on the road nomad is he had a prevo and was um, researching and planning on restoring a vintage bus. And he kind of put the bus bug in our ear um, because, you know, we kind of made fun of the big giant Prevo 45 feet and stuff. But, oh, vintage buses Those are kind small of cool. and cool <laughs> and didn't want to go bigger than 35 feet. And actually, because that was our max size we wanted. That's partly why we had to go back to the 60s, um, because that was the max legal length back then. So we came back from the Virgin Islands. We started, look, let's go see what we could find as far as a bus to restore. And somewhere along the line, we got a unsolicited offer to buy the Oliver for more than we paid for it brand new, which is just unheard of. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, you don't pass that opportunity up. No. So we've, That we've, accelerated the schedule quite a bit. Uh, so we had intended to spend about a year researching vintage buses, going to rallies, meeting people, and finding our ideal bus. And uh, so instead, in two weeks, we ended up selling the Oliver, being homeless, and then we put backpacks on and bought an Amtrak rail pass and traveled the country by train and found our bus. Looking at vintage buses at every stop we could come across. So somewhere along the way, uh, you all started calling yourself Technomads and built the blog Technomadia. What's the origin of that? 
The original Technomad and the guy who coined the word is a guy named Steve Roberts. And he's one of the most fascinating human beings I think I've ever met and befriended. Um, back in the 80s, Steve got frustrated with uh, corporate jobs and his suburban life. And he sold his house and moved on to a recumbent bicycle. And he's an inventor. And he started building all these computer technology into the bike until eventually he had a heads-up display, a mid-80s Macintosh with a, a laser pointer that he can control with his head, uh, handlebar keyboards underneath him that he could type, uh, satellite uplinks and ham radio and voice activation. And he built the most amazing bike that has probably ever been built, and it's actually now in the Computer History Museum over time. And he was pioneering the idea that you could travel with technology and still be connected to community and, and work. And so you could work and be social and still travel. But in his case, super minimalist. He became a friend of mine way back when. And when I first hit the road to, in the tab before I knew Cherie, that one of the first places I visited was his lab up near Seattle. And, and you did your solar installation. Yeah, that's right. It's and the solar work. <laughs> while they were there, they uh, had a shared hard drive with sharing their music collections yeah, yeah. and they had named it Technomadia. Yes. So when we Rip met, from Technomadia. <laughs> so when we met, um, just shortly after that and decided to join our journeys together. And we both were bloggers at this point. We both had individual separate blogs, personal social blogs. Uh, we decided, well, we're just going to create this little website where we basically just syndicate our two blogs together. And we said, well, we need a name for it. And Chris just went out without consulting <laughs> with me and registered the domain Technomadia based upon this music directory. So there's yeah, the story. Like, no thought. Yeah, like, <laughs> this really fits. This is great. <laughs> We like it. And ever since we've been confused as Technomedia, Technomedia, <laughs> that, you know, so whatever. It's not wasn't the best writing idea, but hey, it fixed and now people know what a Technomad is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you started putting yourselves out there. You you built the blog, you built a YouTube channel, and I think the way it worked is people really were wanting to learn to know more about how you guys were able to be connected on the road. So you ended up building the mobile internet resource center. But before we get to that, I want to know what it was like to connect to the internet on the road back in 2006. So back then, um, there was this interesting concept that maybe for now, um, when you had a smartphone and there were smartphones back then, uh, you had a limited voice plan. So you paid to have maybe 30 minutes of voice <laughs> and maybe or 400 minutes right. of voice, but you had an unlimited data plan because at this time, there wasn't a lot to do online and, and speeds weren't fast users. enough to do stuff. So we had a one of these unlimited data plans and I was already tethering off my smartphone to work remotely in mm -hmm. my travels when I met Chris. Yeah, it was, it, and I'd been doing actually tethering off of phones and mobile devices before I hit the road. I was at Palm and Palm Source, the, you know, the early mobile tech pioneers. So I've been doing working over wireless since I think the 1996. 90s? Yeah, is when I first started doing some wireless stuff. And so I was totally used to, to working over my phone or various other smart devices and stuff like that. But it was still a very foreign concept. And so we started writing articles about like, well, here's how we do it. Here's how we find the signal. Here's how we get connected. Here's here's a way to boost the signal. Here's an antenna. Here's this, here's that. And you know, oh, this plan now is popular. Oh, this is a great data plan. Oh, yeah. we're going to try satellite now. We just bought a satellite up. So we just share as part of our natural. That's what attracted us to each other is we're both people who like to share what we're learning with others. So yeah, so we, we built up kind of a following of people kept asking more and more questions. And 
in particular, when they started asking questions that were like things that we hadn't, you know, they're, they're, they're asking, basically pushing towards tech support or go review this. Like, well, I don't need to go look at something else. My connection's working great. And, and we have a day job. We, <laughs> we, we already have job. a full-time job. I, I don't have time to also go and research the other options that we're not using just so that you can have information. Um, that's kind of what led to, it was either having a mental breakdown or <laughs> write a book. Have speeds and and all that become easier, or has the internet just grown to gobble up as much data <laughs> as that you'll accept? Well, yeah, both. I mean, it's it's you know now now particularly you know, like we we like to push the edges, so we 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 stream video in four K and watch Netflix and 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 uh, HBO and Apple TV and all. I mean, like the demands of data are so high now. But the um, cellular carriers are doing a really yeah. fine job of keeping up with the demand uh, to a point that you can pretty much rely on a cellular data network these days. I, I joke that, you know, when we hit the road, we used to surf uphill both ways <laughs> on one XRT connection, which is 2G speeds. Um, but we made it work back then and we were doing high bandwidth stuff, but there's no way we would be able to navigate today's Internet on those old connections. Right. Definitely not. But you never would have been able to watch video either on the, on that. We connection. actually did. We actually did. Oh, really? We had we both had streaming um, uh, Netflix subscriptions, and we had found at that time there was a Sprint plan. And believe it or not, back then Sprint was the best mobile <laughs> internet option. We actually had an unlimited. Uh, it was an Air Card. It was like an Express card that you put into a router. Laptop, yeah. Before USB ports were a thing, and so we <laughs> had uh, this Sprint card that gave us unlimited data for like. 50 bucks a month. I mean, it would still be considered a fantastic deal today. But Sprint had, at that time, a 3G network. And we got usable And it wasn't speed. super congested either. So We were able to get streaming-able speeds yeah. on Sprint across the nation to keep up with our Netflix oh, habits. Yeah. Not nearly as much coverage as nowadays. You know, yeah. th- that's the big thing that's changed so much, is just how much coverage has grown and grown and grown, particularly decently fast coverage so now we're i mean we we did carry around the big satellite dish for the longest time and you know we have directional antennas and all sorts of other fancy crazy gear to try and be in remote places but now we're just amazed how often we're in pretty remote places and we don't need a lot of that fancy gear and we haven't had a satellite in years just because it's not worth the effort anymore the maps have gotten so much better you eventually built out the the mobile internet resource center to help people get a lot of this information and I think probably to get a lot of this information separate from your blog. And so you could have your right. blog kind of on your own a bit. I always laugh that sometimes in the, the Facebook groups, there's a question about, uh, about internet and someone says, Oh, you need to check with mobile internet resource center. And someone else says, no, you need to check with uh, Technomadia. And then someone, <laughs> someone tags Cherie in there. <laughs> so how did that, how did that all come about? And, and, and sort of what was the, motivation behind it? So the first thing is in 2013, um, I was running a business with my father doing software development and he passed away. And I had to make the decision at the time, do I continue that business that we had built together or was it time for Chris and I to build something together? And part of my grieving process was writing the book, The Mobile Internet Handbook. Um, And it is still to this day dedicated to my dad. And it was basically bringing together all of the blog posts that we had made on the Technomadia blog in one place. And we thought, well, that will solve the, the problem <laughs> is people can go read this book and then they will leave us alone and we can go figure out what's next for us. And there was just so, um, well, A, that stuff changes all the time. So we quickly realized, you know, the book was 
going to be format. A, a bad <laughs> format because it's going to be out of date. Um, so, um, you know, that kind of lingered for a year and we started thinking like, well, what's the next version of the book? You know, something that's more than just put together blog posts. Let's actually write a real book from scratch. And we put it out to the online community saying, hey, like we're going to write this book and we'll do a pre-sale campaign. So if we sell you know, this much demand, we'll write these extra chapters, this much demand, these extra chapters. And if it goes completely crazy, we'll actually start a membership site and figure out something to do because clearly there's enough people who want us to really focus on this every day, not just do a one-off book. And it went beyond our wildest dreams and there was demand for a membership site. So that so, yeah, started so, happening. So the summer of 2014, we rewrote the book from scratch, hired graphic editors and uh, editors to actually make it a professional, more professional uh, and oh, yeah. polished resource. Uh, the book pretty much doubled in size with all more of the funded yeah. extra chapters that people wanted. And we started a website. And we did make that some of the highest funders of that uh, Indiegogo campaign became the charter members of that site. And we just kind of allowed the membership and the demand for the type of content we needed to cover, kind of grow the resource center. And an interesting thing happened in uh, fall 2014 is some of the most popular options at that time for getting online, which people who were around in that era might remember the Verizon Millennicom plan imploded. Uh, <laughs> so people were literally panicking because the plan they'd been relying on for years was being cut off with just a few weeks notice, basically. And it was kind of mayhem. And we were right. We were, we were there at the right place at the right time with answers of what was going on. And here's your next best bet of how to, where to go from here. And it also happened. It was a, a golden era in which these grandfathered Verizon unlimited data plans that are truly unlimited had kind of had a resurgence for a brief period of time thanks to an iPhone glitch. Yeah, so, the, so all in the, in the span of this month in which we're launching the site, we had like these major events happening that instantly gave us credibility of like, wait a minute, this is going to be the resource center where you're going to be able to know when these new plans pop up and get real analysis on if they're viable and how to if, grab them. How to grab them and how to use them. So I think it was serendipity. At the time, I thought it was serendipity that all these major things were happening all at once. But now that we've run the Resource Center five years, we figured out this happens like every three months. So <laughs> Yeah, it's constantly a, a secret yeah. plan becomes available and then disappears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you guys do such a fantastic job. The 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 website is such a great place to get the most up-to-date information. You are always on top of everything and then you're testing every single piece of gear yep. that you guys can find i can only imagine what <laughs> what you have on board with you at any given time that you aren't even using it's actually become a problem we've got we got a the bins of parts we need to figure out how to get rid of but you know what the, the site started to grow and grow and grow and it we still had all of our our side projects and our consulting projects we were we were kind of helped launch our village we helped create escapers all these things and we're you have constant people saying, we want you to help with this project, that project, but the Mobile Internet Resource Center was growing so much that we're like, maybe we can actually make this our full-time job. So we, we made the decision to leap. And uh, you know, we had a heart-to-heart discussion with our escapers and with our village and said, you know, we love you guys. We really want to just remain in the background and help you. We're always going to support you, but we need to focus on this Mobile Internet Resource Center. And as soon as we made that decision, the Resource Center really started to take off and became enough funding to be our full-time jobs. And actually now we have a staff. So that helps us keep it all up to date. And you provide, uh, it's a membership site that people can come and and pay to get 
all of your articles and the full length articles, but you also provide a lot of free resources there. Um, most of your content, I think, is available for anyone to go look at. And then if you're somebody who gets serious in it, you get involved in membership. Absolutely. We believe in being a public service. I and mean, we started as bloggers sharing information for free. We've never really done third-party advertising. We don't dive deep into affiliate marketing. We don't have sponsors. And we're I have no interest in selling stuff either. And providing information is at our heart. It's our passion. That's why we have shared so much under Technomadia just for fun. And we did want to change that when we launched the Mobile Internet Research Center. We still wanted to give away free content. And we don't believe that everyone needs to be a premium member to get the deeper content. So we selected a membership as our funding and we have the mobile internet aficionados as the premium membership. And we specifically designed it for those that are going to consider mobile internet an essential or even important <laughs> part of their lifestyle that they will see value in making sure that we have the funding to keep providing these resources. Right. And, and quite a few of our members, it, it's, it's almost like a, a um, public broadcasting thing where, you know, the members are providing, supporting the resource that then supports the broader community. So, so when you know, we like people who are using our resources who might not necessarily be paying, just to be thankful to the members who are funding those resources for them. So you, you've built this amazing resource. And by the way, there's also an awesome Facebook group that people should go check yeah. out to get a lot of this info as well. That's sort of been your primary focus now, but you're in the last couple of years, your travel life has changed quite a bit. What what have you guys been up to? So we talked earlier about how when Chris and I were first dating that we had aspirations of life on the water. And after 12 years of full-time RVing, we figured it was probably time to uh, mix it up a bit. To do something about that because it was still an aspiration. And we already determined that doing blue water sailing and going off there just wasn't going to be compatible with our career lifestyle or our desires to stay in touch with our RVing community and our families. So we decided to explore something that's called the Great Loop, which is all waterways around the, the eastern part of the U.S. But it's all protected waters and it's all basically places RVers go. And so we're go RVing on the water. <laughs> So uh, in 2017, we purchased a motor yacht, which sounds fancy. It's not really a yacht <laughs> like you would think of. It's a boat with a with a uh, an engine without sails. It, it doesn't have have a Alito, Alito deck and and uh, staff making our bed and uh, towel animals. It doesn't. No, no towel animals. I know. So yeah, we so now we are splitting our time doing the Great Loop, which is typically done in one year, but we decided to do it over multiple years, which means there will be times in which uh, we'll be our boat will be in places that are not nice for boating, like winter it, with ice. That's <laughs> sound fun. So uh, we'll be planning to store the boat and then returning to RVing in the winter. And we are currently on our RV right yeah, now. We're in the bus right now. <laughs> well, you don't get stuck in the the grass is greener mentality either. You have the ability to. Say, okay, I'm I'm bored with this now. I'm going to go back to what I was doing, and then then be bored with that and come back to it. If your mind works that way, exactly. And we're also finding that marinas tend to be in really awesome downtowns uh, because towns were built around ports. Um, so we're finding that unlike RVing life, which it's rare to find an RV park that's in walking distance to the really cool stuff, marinas often are. So getting a monthly rate at a marina is both affordable and fun. So I'd like to ask you guys a little bit about, we've, we've talked a lot about how uh, throughout your story, the internet has evolved for people who live mobily. What you see uh, 
coming in the future because there's there's a lot of talk about different technologies and and what they may do and i think a lot of very different directions that technology seems to be going um let's start though with this the the merger between uh sprint and t-mobile so this has been a long time flirtatious dating relationship between sprint and t-mobile uh and they are currently still just engaged. And even though they've got the federal government behind them now and approving it both by, by the Department of Justice and the FCC. There's still about a, about a dozen, maybe less states that are still filing lawsuits to try and stop this merger. Um, and you know, what, what I guess kind of set the, the higher, bigger context for people is there, there are only four nationwide cell carriers in the United States. We've got the big giants, AT&T and Verizon, and they kind of, kind of have long history and legacy to them. And then T-Mobile and Sprint were the second were the second tier, and they were both much smaller than the two giants. And if T-Mobile and Sprint come together successfully, then there will be three giants, three nationwide carriers that are all on roughly equal footing as far as capabilities. So it's a really interesting, massive change to the market. Um, and... It's, but the, but yeah. you combine the resources of T-Mobile and Sprint with their spectrum holdings, which is their ability to expand their network, especially as we move into a 5G world. Uh, it does give the the new T-Mobile, because T-Mobile, if this goes through, T-Mobile, it, the branding will still be T-Mobile. I thought it was going to be Newt Mobile. I go for Newt Mobile. Newt Mobile yeah. They actually registered the domain New T-Mobile. Oh, that's it, great. It, <laughs> Mobile. Yes. So I've taken to call the new company Newt. So, yeah. you know. But yes, the, the, the new T-Mobile with the Sprint uh, Spectrum Holdings actually holds a lot of potential to be a very strong competitor in a 5G world. Well, I, I think a lot of people are excited by this because of the fact that I think on paper, T-Mobile and Sprint seem to have some of the best plans. Do you think that that will continue once they've they've merged? In, in some ways, they have really good plans. And then actually, in other ways, T-Mobile has some of the worst hotspot data plans out there. So Hopefully, once they have the combined resources, um, competition will be interesting and increase. But of course, some people are afraid that once there's only three competitors, maybe competition will decrease. So there's there are some legitimate fears of exactly where this is going to go when everything ha- comes down. We're just sitting on the sidelines, you know, eating our popcorn and <laughs> yeah. you know, saying, "Okay, what are we recording on next?" Yeah. <laughs> in, in the middle of this, as you've alluded to a minute ago, Sheree, that five G changeover is on its way. 5G has rolled out in in different communities around the country. How is 5G going to affect people that access the internet mobily? Basically, every decade, there's a major technological shift in cellular. And so we are hitting that point of, you know, 5G is coming on. And it paves the way for, for another 10 years of things getting faster and better and more coverage and lower latencies and opening up um, whole new possible areas of applications and such. And we are just now on the cusp. Anything that you see that is 5G that you can buy in 2019, you probably do not want. Just think of it as public beta, cool stuff for people who want bragging rights. But Verizon and AT&T both have, and actually even T-Mobile too, have small areas of urban areas where if you have one of these special rare phones, you can, some people have actually, I think the fastest speed test I've seen was a Verizon speed test of over two gigabits per second. Um, Standing underneath a 5G tower in a uh, in a city, which is insane speed. But, but there's a lot of confusion about what exactly <laughs> yeah. 5G is. 
And a lot of the media is focused on the short-range millimeter wave technology. That gives you that super speed. So they're transmitting at super high frequencies, but those wireless signals only reach a very short range. That's obviously not going to help us mobile travelers all that much because most of us don't camp on city streets that often. We want to be out in the beautiful places with the wide open scenery and for cellular to work in those sorts of environments, you have to be using lower frequencies and lower frequencies cannot carry as much spectrum nor speed as the millimeter wave. So so, so 5G is still coming to the lower frequencies. And actually, this is one place where T-Mobile is jumping ahead is they're turning on their 5G network nationwide and they're going to be able to claim something. Hey, Verizon and AT&T only cover a few city blocks. T-Mobile's got 5G over the huge chunk of the country. But there's this low-frequency, long-range 5G that will still be better than 4G, but not by much in those areas. So it'll, it'll, it won't be this gigantic gigabit speed uh, jump. It will just be 5G over long-range. And the phones that T-Mobile's rolling out that will support the long-range won't support the super-fast stuff. So it's basically wait until next year, and then all the carriers are going to be doing both long-range, mid-range, and short-range fast and slow 5G that will all kind of come together. And this is 5G lets them come together in ways that 4G never really did. And these kind of blended networks will be what all the carriers do and all the phones support, but nothing supports yet. So wait right. another year for 5G. And the other side effect is those of us who were yeah. watching LTE or 4G become the norm over the years is there was a long transition period in which as people, as most consumers were switching to LTE technology. That left the 3G technology being less saturated, which meant for there was a, a time period in which 3G actually actually, in, actually increased in performance. And we may actually see that again. So there might be a period of time in which being on LTE still, while 5G is kind of the new shiny, is actually still advantageous for the, for a lot of us. And it, it, the, the next year is going to be very interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, Basically, by this time next year, uh, towards the end of 2020, is when 5G will start to make sense more mainstream. And, um, and yeah, there, it, things will be interesting. The, the, the overall technology around uh, mo- mobile is going to, to start really ramping up a lot. And by 2023 or so, 5G will be everywhere. Meanwhile, 3G networks are, are being phased out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Is that going to affect people in, in any way? Not as much anymore because the carriers sent LTE and they uh, LTE has become the norm in the last few years. And five, they're all they're most focusing on five G is they have done something that we call refarming. So they basically started to repurpose a lot of that older three G spectrum for the newer technology. So we've already seen a loss in capa- capacity on those three G yes. networks over the past years. Less coverage, less speed, less ability. So. There are still places that are only served by 3G. Not very many, though. But not many. So, it's, so unless you're somebody who's like still clinging to your antique flip phone, most people will not even notice the 3, 3G shutdown unless they're really clinging to some old, old hardware that was never for LTE. Let's talk about the the elephant in the sky of sorts, the, the, <laughs> the big competitor that, that people are anticipating. What has been long a sort of limited use case technology satellite internet yeah so currently you know if you want to use satellite internet which is a viable option these days and has been for our viewers for decades is you 
need this huge satellite dish that you either deploy on a tripod or you're giving up a lot of roof space to have, roof space that could be used for things like solar. And And you're aiming at a satellite that is in geostationary orbit, um, you know, 23,000 miles up above the equator. So you have to aim very precisely. This is a totally different world than um, satellite TV where the signal's just coming down to you. You need to be able to aim at that satellite and broadcast back up. So uh, satellite, the current type of um, satellite systems are cumbersome. They can have decent speeds in some places, but you also then have very high latencies because that round trip distance to 23,000 miles over the equator and back to the planet means every time you type a key, there's a half second delay. It really kind of is like running with the brakes on on the internet. There's a whole new generation of satellites coming along that are called low earth orbit satellites that instead of being thousands of miles away are just a few hundred miles away in orbit. And because they're not in a fixed location in the sky, they're zooming back and forth. You need a lot of them to provide constant coverage because they're moving moving past you so fast. And SpaceX and OneWeb are kind of the two leaders in um, you know, trying to make constellations like this possible. And they're both planning hundreds or thousands of satellites in the, the very near future. SpaceX is starting their launches. OneWeb is starting their launches. And by, again, this time next year, we should start to see um, interesting services rolling out that take advantage of these faster, low-orbit satellites that right. might be and, very interesting. And because they're low-orbit, you're not going to have those ridiculously high ping times. They're going to be more familiar to what we're used to, even with cellular, which is 20 to 30 milliseconds. So yep. it's going to feel just like any other internet connection, and the speeds should be able to be delivered at what we would all consider high broadband but the advantage is that it will work anywhere on the planet. And the, the, uh, the receiving satellite dishes that are in development are, uh, they haven't released any information on this yet, but except for that, they're going to be about the size of a medium-sized pizza box. And do not need to be aimed. And will be suitable for use while in motion. So it's going to be a great option for RVers and boaters and uh, airplanes and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's going to be revolutionary if, you know, it really if does, it all works. if it all gets <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> How long do you think we're looking at before we see that reality on a on a mass consumer level? Well, so, so SpaceX has been saying that they want to be able to start rolling out consumer service to the northern half of North America um, in 2020. And uh, OneWeb has actually said that they want to be able to start rolling out service in Alaska in 2020. And the way these satellite networks work is they keep adding more satellites, their coverage increases from the poles further south till you reach the equator. Um, so it all depends on how quickly they can launch the rest of their satellites. Just will they be able to get full North American coverage and full global coverage within another year, within two years, within three years. But SpaceX is saying they're going to manage 24 launches next year, which will get them very close to global coverage if they deliver on all their plans. And then they'll continue launching, uh, which will increase the amount of capacity, capacity that they are able to uh, to use. Yeah, SpaceX has filed paperwork now to have upward of 45,000 satellites up there, which is just absolutely insane. Which I think means solar panels <laughs> are going to become less effective, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, what, I've heard you guys talk about one of the oldest technologies being uh, prime for, for more development, campground Wi-Fi. It's long been the bane of, of many of campers' existence, but some campgrounds are making some improvements there, right? Yes, um, more campgrounds, they've listened to consumer demand, that consumers want to be able to pull in for the night and they want to be able to 
have a video chat with their friends back home. They want to be able to stream Netflix. They don't want to just check their email and check in on their banking and route to their next location. So more campgrounds are putting effort into having usable Wi-Fi. Now, it's a, it's a complicated challenge because there is only so much capacity that you can pull in over a wire, and that's what campgrounds are usually mm-hmm. trying to distribute. And, and actually, one, one of the business models that, that, that might emerge, and you know, some satellite companies are, are looking to this, is the campground might have one of these satellite base stations, pizza box things on their roof, and then they're sharing that connection with Wi-Fi with their customers inside. So it'll be kind of a hybrid system. Um, and that's, that's one of the avenues that is uh, actually very likely in the future. Um, there's also some slightly better Wi-Fi technologies coming out. The Wi-Fi 6 or 802.11ax does a better job dealing with multiple congested network, you know, more does a better job with Wi-Fi congestion. And then there's more and more people doing things on Wi-Fi, even inside your RV, your TV might be talking over Wi-Fi and your, uh, you know, even your, your scale and your light bulbs <laughs> and stuff. All these Wi-Fi devices are interfering with the signal with your neighbors and with the campground and with everything else around you. The next generation of Wi-Fi stuff, the Wi-Fi 6 things are better able to deal with that interference. Um, so that is just now barely starting to peek out into the market. But as more and more of these devices come, they will step on each other's toes more elegantly, I guess. Well, we will read all about it at the Mobile Internet Resource Center. I'd like to wrap up here by talking about uh, the new TV show, The RVers, just premiered on the Discovery Channel. will be on PBS later this year. You guys are one of the uh, couples starring in the RVers is kind of a, I watched the first episode and it's, it's sort of kind of a combination of a cool travel show and sort of like a, uh, an old fashioned how to discovery channel PBS show. How'd you guys get involved in, and what can we look forward to from you guys on the show? So we've been, we've been approached many times over the years to be involved in various documentaries and TV shows. And we, we pretty much turn them all down because they just have too much of a commercial angle for our style of content. Um, and, Last year, Anthony Nally, who is a full-time RVer, contacted us, and he has a long history of producing a TV series called The Aviators on PBS, which has a very educational but sharing the lifestyle sort of stance that's really well-lined. It was on PBS, and we had actually met Anthony. Um, when he was first seeing the road in his RV, so way, way back when. And uh, we talked it out with him, and it was originally going to be for PBS and for some of the streaming services. It's on Apple and Amazon and yeah. things like that. And, and the goal is this is not a reality show. It's not about the hosts and stuff. If anything, the hosts have a very minor role. They're just kind of setting the stage for whatever the topic is and or the guest or the interview or something like that. Um, and it's going to be just focusing on different areas of the RV lifestyle, both you know, just sharing sharing the lifestyle, sharing a lot of education. Um, and you know, the, the, the first season is... Uh, has started and the second season is already in the works. So it's a right. The surprise to all of us was last season or last spring after they had the pilot done um, is discovery decided to pick it up as well, which is um, a more of a commercial venue than the series was originally intended for, but it's going, like you said, it's going back to what discovery used to be. Yeah. (laughs) But it will, it will still be on, it'll still be on PBS going to PBS channels in 2020. and, And it's also on the streaming sites and stuff. The difference is the you know, Discovery version, they had to trim away to make space for commercials because that Discovery is a commercial network. So the, the version you'll get on the, the streaming sites and stuff actually has an entire extra segment focused on interviewing RVers and looking at the cool rigs that they have. So you've got two different ways to watch it, either free on Discovery, assuming you have cable, 
or access to Discovery. But coming up, you'll be seeing our co-hosts, Peter and John of the RV Geeks, and Tom and Caitlin of the Mortons on the Move. And we'll all be uh, covering and or hosting topics ranging from boom docking to energy systems to solar to... Dumping the blind hangs. Uh, we'll, we'll have an episode coming up here this weekend on uh, well, mobile internet because yeah. that's our topic. Um, but yeah, we it, it's really exciting. We're really honored to have been asked to be part of this, and um, we looked at it as it's not a paid gig for any of us. It's um, it, it for us. It's a way, have, just another way to share. For us, we looked at it as a, a legacy project so that we can help potentially inspire other people to live their dreams as well. Well, it, it's shot and edited beautifully. And I, yeah. I think it's, it's going to be another avenue for a lot of new people that are coming into the RV lifestyle. Congratulations on that. Give us, give us the, the pitch of all the different places that we can find you guys. Hey. Okay. So you got another hour? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the main blog is technomadia.com. You can also find us on YouTube. We each have an Instagram of Sheree underscore and Chris underscore Technomadia. We're on Facebook as Technomadia. And that's tracking our personal side of stuff. You're going to get the good, bad, and the ugly with us. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's everything except mobile internet. We've kind of drawn the line. We don't talk about mobile internet on Technomadia. That that's our work life. And so the Mobile Internet Resource Center, which is at mobileinternetinfo.com or still sometimes rvmobileinternet.com, is where we have the, the news and reviews and products and then forums for our members and all those other resources. We have in-depth guides and classrooms as well. We also host the Internet for RVers and Cruisers Facebook group, which is a free group. We consider it our library desk. So I actually pay staff to monitor that group and help direct people to where they can find answers to their questions. And we also distribute our news stories there so people can keep up to date. We have a YouTube channel for the Mobile Internet Resource Center um, called the Mobile Internet Resource Center, where we also put out video editions of our news stories and also quick tips, free guides as well. Well, Chris Dunphy and Sheree Viard, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, This was super enlightening and informative, and uh, I'm glad to finally have gotten to meet you guys. Total pleasure. Thanks so much for having us on. RV Miles is sponsored by VersaTube. If you're looking for a way to protect your RV before the winter hits, VersaTube has you covered, literally. From RV covers to carports to garages that you can build yourself, VersaTube is like a grown-up erector set with steel. VersaTube ships directly to your door and is the perfect protector for your Class A, B, C, travel trailer, or bus conversion. And since VersaTube loves RV Miles listeners, they're offering 5% off any standard RV cover with the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, over at VersaTube.com. That's 5% off your VersaTube cover with the code RVMILES at VersaTube.com. Keep your rig protected this winter with VersaTube. We want to thank Chris Dunphy and Sheree Viard again for joining us on the show. What a fantastic interview that was. And I'm so glad to have them on the show. Finally, their journey is, is one that got us started. We have to tell a short, a short little, oh a short little story. Here. I meant to tell them this while they were on, but they'll listen and hear this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we back when we, before we were starting, uh, our journey into RVing and, and learning about full timing and all that. We watched their YouTube channel quite a bit. 
Uh, yeah, we would put the kids to bed at night and then we would sit in our apartment and we would just float through YouTube watching oh, videos that's about all we full-time did. RVers. We watched all kinds of art. So I, I think trying, that's what yeah. a lot of people do. I think know? so. And I this was really even before there was sort of like this explosion of like RV podcasts too. Yeah. Like it was still, that whole world was still really new. So we didn't really have that resource and we would just sit and just like, just absorb like just sponges, all the information we could get our hands on. And so we ran across these guys a lot. So they had a video on getting along together as a couple in a, in a small space, like, a, like an RV. Yes. And they had all sorts of little tips and stuff. And one of them was if somebody is, is, you know, a little bit angry to hand them a glass of water because sometimes a glass of water can, you know, really calm you down. And we cracked up so much at that because we both thought like, if I'm mad and you try to give me a, a glass of water and tell me to calm down by drinking it, it's going in your face. Yeah. Or clearly of a different temperament than those fine folks. But what I kind of like, it's come full circle because now if now we do it and it makes us laugh. So it actually works because it actually works. Like now we do it how it's so amazing because now, so when he was actually interviewing them and he was sitting in there and he was talking to them and I could hear him, I went into the kitchen and I poured a glass of water. And I brought it into him while he was in the middle of his interview. And I just set it down next to him. And it took him about (laughs) half a second to register what I had just done. And I was sort of like, because I was not, you know, obviously I wasn't part of the interview, but this was just sort of my way of paying homage to what was happening because they were for us like such an early start to our lives. And that glass of water has stayed with us for the last four years. It really has. It really has. And <laughs> even if we have taken it in a, in a different vein and how they meant it, it actually still works. It does. It makes us laugh. And I think so. And you know what? That generally for us, laughter is, is a good way of pulling somebody out of their grumpy mood. For safety's sake, we, we use bottles of water with a cap on it. So that- so still get- nobody ends up with water in their face at some point. Cause that's, oh. that's still a, the po- a possibility. <laughs> it very much is <laughs> when you work with someone and live with someone 24, seven, three Sometimes y'all don't get along. That's just the truth. All right. It's time for our fresh tank black tank segment where we talk about things that we love and things that we don't in the world. But Hey, this is Thanksgiving week. We're only fresh tanking it. We're only talking about good this week. We're only talking about We're the good. Keep positive. We're yeah. Be positive hey, and our, happy. Yes. Positive, happy, talking about the good, giving it a fresh tank. And okay. only one fresh tank. I'm just doing one fresh tank. What I'm is your fresh tank? tank? Okay. So my fresh tank this week is one that I was a slow burn to. And you're probably, you can attest to this. I am fresh tanking this week, the Mandalorian on Disney plus. The Mandalorian is a star Wars series. If you're not interested in Star Wars. Can you, you do not how do you even Disney Plus? How do you even you exist? You don't care about this like, whatsoever. How, no, how do you live? Like I don't understand. <laughs> how do you do how do you do anything? I don't get it. But wow, it is beautiful. It's stunning. It's beautiful. We watched the first two episodes um on the train into Chicago a couple weekends ago. You and I did. And we wanted to kind of vet it first before we sat down and let the kids watch it. And I remember we finished the first episode and I kind of looked at you and I said, I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what's happening here. It, 
it moves exactly the way it should be now. Now I understand it. Now we're three episodes in and I'm, I'm just jonesing for that fourth one to come out, which it should be waiting for us now. Cause it's Saturday, but, um, it has completely in my mind. And we've talked about this brought back the 30 minute episodic weekly television show. Yeah, absolutely. We wait in anticipation now for people, a new episode. People talk in, in social media about it's, you what get, happened you get, on that week's episode. You don't see, you don't watch them all in a day. Jason, you talk about it around the water cooler. <laughs> around the water like, that's we what don't have happened. a water We don't cooler, have a water cooler, so. but that's where you talk about it. It is exactly what like friends did. You know, what Seinfeld was. There's also an RVing, a, a little, a little RVing Easter egg. In the Mandalorian, our friend Joe Collins pointed this out. Really? Yes. In episode one, they're in a speeder and the driver uh, says something like, be careful near the port. Everyone dumps out their gray holes here. Oh, I yes. Like they think of the entire planet is their own personal stink pit or something like that. Yes. And uh, that's a little, that's a little, you know, that's RV. RVing. It's, it's just, dumping your gray tank. It's really well written too. I mean, I don't know if there's anything that John Favreau doesn't do at this point. He has been writing these episodes for the Mandalorian and you know, he is so enmeshed in the star Wars Marvel universes now. So anyway, that's my fresh tank this week. If you are looking for something to binge watch this holiday season, this is probably not it because there are only four episodes in They're about half an hour each, but it is worth your time. It's beautiful and it moves really, really slow. And I actually now really appreciate that because we are just movies now, just they throw everything at you so fast. And this one is not doing that. It's requiring you to sit and slow down. So Jay, that's my fresh tank. What is your fresh tank this week? All right. My fresh tank is the Tesla truck. You now, mean the 21st century dust buster. <laughs> now here's the thing. I was back and forth on whether this would be a I fresh tank were. or a black tank or a gray tank. Uh, but I think it lands squarely in fresh tank territory. Well, you know what? I think I would agree with you too. After talking to your brother. Yeah. My brother has pre-ordered one. Which isn't a big deal. It's a no. hundred dollars and your name goes on a list and it's fully refundable, but he's done that. He's pre-ordered and he pre-ordered it with the camping package too. Yeah. And, uh, so they're going to have uh, a camping package that has like these drawers that slide out in the back that will have a stove and stuff. And then there's like a, uh, a modern ver- version of a, of a truck topper. It'll that, have a generator built in into stuff. it. Now, I think the thing is ugly as heck. I'm not a fan of, of the look. Some some people are a fan of the look. I, I'm look. I'm not. It's like if a DeLorean and a Chevy Lumina van had a baby. It, it really is. It's like a steel it dust really buster. Uh, but I can really appreciate the technology in this thing. I can appreciate the cost. It is that what, yeah. And the cost is really favorable compared to other trucks. It was right in line with regular full size trucks. And I think the response to it, like in regards to the pre-ordering and how hot people are for this is a very good indication of what people are going to want out of their trucks going forward. And it's going to make some of these other truck manufacturers sort of sit up and take notice. Electric vehicles have a long way to go. Um, there's a lot about battery manufacturing that is terrible for the environment. Um, using electricity isn't always necessarily better for the environment than fuel because sometimes 
we're making our electricity out of coal, but often in places it is. But in the end, we are all going to be driving electric vehicles at some point, right? In in the future. Absolutely. And uh, as renewable energy gets better and better, that is only going to improve the world through, you know, getting all this smog off the road. And this kind of innovation is what it's going to take. Now, now, obviously it's not been tested. Yeah. We don't know what this Tesla truck is going to do. And we told, we told your brother, we're like, well, we look forward to in 2022 when you do finally get this. Well, truck, that's what I say. He said, you'll have to come on the show and talk about he goes, it. But- he says, yeah, I got the camper package. I'm like, well, they have to design the camper package first. I mean, they, they did <laughs> a said, rendering yeah, of it. But- he said it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which it probably will it probably be. Probably will. He can get his hundred dollars back. But I here's mean, the thing. And what a, what a cheap and affordable down payment. Yeah. Like I, I'm surprised it's so accessible to as many people as who want to put that down, you know? Now the issue is, are they going to be able to compete with Ford, Chevy and Ram and, and Rivian, who is a, an outdoor truck manufacturer who's might even beat them to manufacturing and has already been taking orders. Uh, and their trucks look a little bit more like a truck. I mean, but, we won't know until we see one of these on the road. But we'll Ford, see what it can do. Chevy, Ram are all going to have their versions out about the same time this Tesla actually does become available to purchase. So the question is, are truck owners that are looking for an electric option going to want to buy something that looks like a Ford F-150 but has an electric motor in it? Or are they going to want something that looks wild like the Tesla truck? I think the Tesla truck right now is speaking to a particular demographic, a particular type of traveler, a particular type of individual. And I think that those people, and we see this, I think, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of um, pre-orders have already been made for this truck. I think we see that there is this group of travelers that are hungry for something that looks a little bit different. And offers this camping package, which is clearly not designed, you know, to just be like, go hanging out at the campground. Right. So, uh, I, I'm really intrigued by it. And I like that maybe it's going to start making people rethink how we manufacture trunks and how we travel and how we use them. And I just, I like it. I, I like anytime you open up to new and exciting ways of looking at life and at how we experience the world. I get really excited about it because now everyone's got to start getting creative. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the range isn't, isn't what your range is going to be in a, a regular truck, but if you're going from one campground to another and you can plug in at that campground, Hey, there will, and there be will great. be people who, out there and there already are people out there who hate this like they hate it you know they're purists oh, yeah. they want their their oh big, and when i first saw it know, i hated guzzling. it i know you did we had a real solid laugh because i sat there and i was like oh my gosh it looks like that minivan that we had in the 90s my parents had we just called it the dust buster what was it you know and it looks like a chevy lumina to me i still hate it but it's <laughs> my fresh tank because i appreciate the innovation but I, yes. I am still very hot on the idea of hybrid trucks. The automobile industry has almost skipped over hybrid altogether. Uh, It was the hot thing for a while, but now that electric cars are becoming more and more prominent, we're skipping a lot of hybrid technology. I think hybrid is tailor-made for people who want a truck to tow with. Think of it. You have a, a engine for your heavy duty stuff for towing and hauling 
and then you have your electric motor for putting around in the city. I think, I think it's perfect. And then, and then you will be able, you would actually be able to use that as a, a legitimate generator as well, which is what the new Ford F-150 hybrid is going to offer. That's supposed to come out next year that will have a, the ability to use it actually as a gasoline generator started up. You can run your stuff off of your, your hybrid Ford F-150 as well. Well, George Jetson, see what you can do about that. (laughs) Get people on board. (laughs) All right, let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser, shall we? Scorned by the meek and humble-minded and often by the vain possessed, heard by the deaf, seen by the blind, I give the troubled spirit rest. What am I? A Simon and Garfunkel song. If you think you know the answer... (laughs) Head over to the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 121 or go over to rvmiles.com slash brain teaser. And there's a little form you can fill out and enter your guest there. And you might win a not all who wander our lost t-shirt. Make sure to get your answer in by Thursday of the week after this episode, by the end of the day on Thursday, the week after this episode comes out and you might win. All right, there we go. That's the episode for this week. We have a date with Frozen 2 now. Let it go. (laughs) We can't. We have to go. We can't let it go. We have to go to the movie. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. Again, as we said at the beginning of the show, we are so thankful for you. If you want to connect with us, we encourage you to find us on social media. RV Miles is on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and just DM us. You can also find us in the RV Miles Facebook group. And some pretty cool, nice people in that group. Jason and I are also over at ourwanderingfamily.com, which is also across social media. And of course, we want to remind you that See America just wrapped up its very first season. I cannot believe we got an entire season of See America done. I'm so proud of us because it was a crazy journey. All 10 episodes are now available. If you haven't checked it out, please do. The second season of Sea America starts in just a few weeks, but America's National Parks is also kicking and it's still going. This week's episode was News from the Parks. It's our November edition where we just kind of share with you what's happening in the world of the National Park Service throughout the month of November. You can find that where you find RV Miles. That is a mouthful. I'm done talking. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for listening. And until next week, keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Cold never bothered me anyway. Cold bothers me. I'm so ready to go where it's warm. Oh, 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 oh